Recently, the FT's Paulina Ivanova discovered this video on the messaging platform Telegram. In it, you can see this man who's standing and talking in front of a train being filled up with grain. So Nikita Bussell in this video, he's there wearing red chinos and matching red moccasins, and he's a Russian businessman standing in the Zaporizhia region of Ukraine, which you know, Russia seized in, in March. Nikita Bussell's company is a government-run firm called the State Grain Operator. And this video is basically a propaganda pitch directed toward local farmers who are living in this occupied part of southeastern Ukraine. It's actually an hour-long video all about what Russia's doing for the economy of this region after it was seized um, by Russian troops. And it talks about other industries as well, but there's a big focus on grain because Zaporizhia region is obviously, it's, it's a big grain producer. When Russia attacked this area, many Ukrainian agricultural business owners were forced to flee and leave their crops behind. Once Russia set up a quasi-government there, it also created some businesses, like Bussell's. Bussell previously founded a couple of boutique hotels and a coffee shop chain in central Russia. And in this video... Bussell tells us what exactly this new venture does. He explains how his company operates. What he says is that this grain operator goes in, finds abandoned assets, you know, farms and plants and grain silos that have been left behind by um, Ukrainian businessmen who fled the war and fled the occupation, their company goes in, installs its security on these assets and gets them working again. And he builds this as great for the employees. Obviously, this is the dictionary definition of, of, of looting. And this, Bussell's company, is where our story starts today. Paulina and two more of our colleagues used a collection of documents, satellite imaging, and sources in ports to track the movement of one 3,000-ton shipment of grain that left the Zaporizhia region of Ukraine in August and traveled all the way to Turkey. Kella Tendera from the Financial Times. On today's episode of Behind the Money, how Russia is plundering Ukraine's grain industry. Welcome, Paulina. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So, Paulina, Russia invaded Ukraine almost nine months ago now. So what impact did that have on the global food supply? I think what's crucial to say is that uh, this trade is is really lucrative. So there were already issues with food supply globally, but, um, you know, Russia's invasion of one of the world's biggest grain producers leading to like a blockade of its ports and real difficulty in exporting wheat from Ukraine have really sent wheat prices and global food prices up, exacerbating earlier problems and, you know, tr triggering basically a food crisis. Russia's cynical ploy to hold hostage more than 20 million tons of Ukrainian grain 
is leading to a food crisis here in Tunisia. The war in Ukraine is a continent away, but its impacts are ricocheting in this market in northwest Syria. Prices for food are skyrocketing. Paulina, you tracked this grain shipment using all kinds of tools, you know, satellite imagery and various paperwork. And so to begin this journey that this grain takes, there's this one document that kicks off this whole chain of events. What is that? Tell me more about it. Right. So the first document that um, we've seen is the founding document of this state grain operator. It shows that the company was set up in May um, and that it works as a state agency and that it says very clearly in its kind of founding document that any proceeds that it makes go back into the administration of this region. Now, this region has subsequently been um, annexed by Russia. Russia claims to have now annex this and that this is now Russian territory, which makes this company and uh, the administration a part of the Russian state. So we can draw that uh, line between the occupation officials, their actions, and um, the the Russian state operators very clearly. It claims to control this area. Mm-hmm. And in this video we heard earlier of Bussell talking you said that he explains how the company goes in and finds these abandoned assets. But there's more to this, too, then. How it bills itself is that it buys grain from local farmers. It sets the price. It tells them to come to these drop-off points um, and sell the grain that is that is left over from the last year's harvest and that the company then exports it and any profits it makes go back into the company and then go back and get reinvested into the area. And what do the Ukrainians think of this? I mean, the video paints it as this sort of nice new business deal. Um, I also spoke to the owners, the Ukrainian owners of agricultural businesses that operated in that area that then um, fled when the invasion began. And they painted a very different picture of of how this uh, system operates, saying that this is basically expropriation. These were our businesses. This was our grain that was in storage. These are our fields that are now being harvested. except it is now the state grain operator that is profiting from our grain. Right. And so the state grain operator gets the grain from the Zaporizhia region. And in this case, you tracked a specific shipment of nearly 3,000 tons of milling wheat coming out of that area of Ukraine, leaving from the occupied port of Berdansk. So how did you figure out that the state grain operator was involved in this one 3,000-ton shipment? We see this pretty unique set of documents that um, appear to show that uh, the state grain operator is not only uh, transporting grain um, by rail and by vehicle to uh, central Russia and to other markets via Russia, but that it is also loading this batch of 3,000 tons of wheat onto a vessel. Now, the Documents show that the state grain operator is the seller. They list the buyer of this grain. They list the vessel. The business that is listed as the buyer has completely denied that these documents are real or that this deal happened and that this vessel went anywhere near occupied areas. Okay, and so as you said, the Russian company listed in the documents as the buyer of this grain denies that this shipment ever even happened. So how are you sure that it did? So every vessel that goes uh, 
And so our seas and oceans publicizes its location using a transponder system, this kind of um, signaling system called the AIS. Boats use this to make sure that uh, their location is constantly known. Now, the AIS uh, system does not show any vessel pulling up at the Berzansk port at the time that the documents tell us that there's a boat there. So we had this mystery to kind of understand, you know, signaling system does not show a boat there. What could it be? Okay, so this signaling system says that there's no boat. But the documents you had said that a boat should be there. Uh, What else did those documents tell you? The documents give us the name of a vessel. So we started using the signaling system to track the historic movements of uh, a ship called the Pavel. This boat uh, sits about a day's travel away from the occupied uh, port in question and then switches off its uh, signaling system suddenly. This is called going dark, and uh, it's not very common for boats to do this, but we have seen vessels do this when they want to, you know, disappear, when they want to do something that may be some, some, some dodgy deals. So uh, the Pavel, this particular vessel, uh, goes dark and disappears for five days, and exactly the period when the documents state that it would be at this, at this port. Okay, so at this point, you probably felt like you were onto something here then, right? And so you also saw that boat through satellite images? We do see a vessel of the same size and the right coloring arriving to the occupied port of Burdansk and loading up with grain on exactly the days that the the document state would be happening. And we see this, you know, on the first day, it's this, it's sort of half empty, but you can see that it's a a grain colored substance being loaded onto the boat. Um, And on the second day, it's much more full and then it disappears again, which um, which all goes to show that uh, a vessel was loaded at uh, the occupied port of Berdyansk with grain in the middle of August. And uh, these documents give us very strong reason to suspect that that was grain that was sold by this state grain operator. So the boat heads to Turkey from Ukraine. What happened there? The boat comes to this port and it stands there for a really long time, which is where we grab a picture of it from the coast. From what we know, it tries to sell the grain on board, but Turkish buyers are hesitant for various reasons. There may be suspicions around what the provenance of this grain is. You know, Turkish buyers are not keen to be buying uh, grain from occupied areas and Turkish authorities are, are you know, increasingly cracking down or trying to prevent this from happening and customs officials are getting much more rigorous. And this is something that we've heard from traders across the board. Hmm. So then what happens? Are they able to sell it? So after a long time of it um, sort of loitering off the coast of this port of Samson in northern Turkey, uh, you know, switching its signaling system on and then off and then on again and then off again, suddenly we find that it switches its signaling system back on after a while and it is much higher in the water, which means, you know, basically the thing weighing it down, the grain had been removed or at least part of it creating the shift in, in, in where it sits in the water. And that's how we realized that it must have uh, shifted at least some of its cargo. And um, we started trying to work out where it might have done that. And my colleague Chris Cook, who's, who's a, f- f- a fellow writer on this story, um, incredibly managed to spot it um, in the port of Hoppa in another part of northern Turkey. And um, then, you know, this was corroborated by the fact that uh, we also found an image taken by the port where you can see its name and everything. So we knew that, that 
the boat had docked there. And then the Russian businessman whose grain it was, uh, who was the shipper, uh, told us that he had managed to he had managed to sell the cargo and that there was no problems with it, uh, nor with his paperwork. And as he points out to us, Turkish customs officials checked his paperwork, the Russian documents, which make no mention of Ukraine, and found that it was clear and, uh, and allowed the sale. Wow. Now, what did all these various parties say about what you had found in your reporting? I tried to reach the state grain operator on multiple phone lines and got absolutely nowhere with that. Um, I also tried to contact Mr. Bissell on social media by emailing his various uh, companies. I also called the hotels that he had set up where I was told that he'd either never been seen before or had not been seen for a long time and no one knew how to even get a message to him. So um, it was all a little bit unclear about that. But um, but their position is is really evident in this promotional video, which we quote to to. to to give a sense of how they see things, which is that, you know, uh, this is Russian territory. These businesses, these agricultural businesses have been abandoned. And so what are we to do but just to take them over and and start uh, exporting grain and getting farmers working again? That's how they see it. But of course, the initial fact is that Russian troops came and seized this area. So, Paulina, what does this example of smuggling show about the food crisis that's happening now? How are these two things connected? Mm, I guess it's a difficult, you know, it's a difficult uh, dilemma for um, policymakers and and, and people observing this situation. Because uh, on the one hand, you know, everybody wants grain going into the market and uh, and ensuring that, that, you know, the food shortages that we're seeing around the world um, and this escalating food crisis is alleviated by um, the export of grain as much as possible. The problem is that global policymakers, again, looking at, at this situation, don't want Russia to then be profiting from its occupation of Ukrainian areas and it's the seizure of Ukrainian businesses, which is why they're turning these boats around and, and trying to limit this trade and why customs officials are not accepting uh, boats with paperwork that indicates that the, the grain might have come from um, occupied areas or that port that vessels might have stopped at occupied ports. So it's a, it's a kind of a dilemma in some way. What long-term effects will Russia's invasion of Ukraine have on the su- world supply of grain looking more even more broadly? Looking ahead, I mean it's really hard to predict what is going to happen with the war. A lot of people talk about how it's going to be a long and protracted war over this winter, for example, that it, that um, quite a few battlefield watchers say that it's really going to get kind of dug in and, and stuck in for a while. This will inevitably mean that the longer this continues, the longer Ukraine is unable to continue properly fulfill its role as a major grain exporter. So obviously supplies will always be hampered both uh, by the ability of its farmers to actually sow and, and comfortably harvest grain, but also for exporters to actually be able to get it out. And the longer that continues, the less grain there is on the market, the more issues there are for for traders and, and the, you know, the less uh, bread people have on their tables around the world. Well, Paulina, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for being interested in this story.
Behind the Money is hosted by me, Michaela Tendera. Safia Ehud is our producer. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Sound design and mixing by Sam Giovinco. Special thanks to Ben Hall. Cheryl Brumley is the global head of audio. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.